Hey everyone, I hope you enjoy this episode with Roman Prokopchuk. This is episode 50. We made it. This was actually a goal I set on January 1st was to record 50 episodes and we are here uh, with a couple months to spare so super exciting i hope you enjoy this episode with roman Uh, he's got an incredible story and journey uh, that led him into the digital marketing world so sit back relax enjoy and i will chat with you right after the episode Hello and welcome to the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Mendoza, and I've got a very special guest today, and I'm going to do my best not to slaughter his name, but it is Roman Prokopchuk. Is that, how did I do? That's pretty close, but yeah, thanks (laughs) for having me on today. No problem. So what I want you to do real quick is just give the audience some context of uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I am a first-generation immigrant. I came to the U.S. in 1990 with six other family members from Ukraine to a two-bedroom apartment. Uh, I went to college here. I graduated with a degree in criminal justice. My last semester, I interned with the Secret Service on the counterfeit currency squad, held a top-secret clearance, and thought I was going to go the criminal justice route, law enforcement. And when I graduated, state, local, and federal agencies basically froze hiring and spending because the recession hit in uh, 08. So I was kind of forced for months applying and I couldn't really find a job. I got depressed, I got down, and an opportunity came around where I met someone at the gym that they needed in terms of search engine optimization. So one day they said, come out to my car. They handed me a packet about search engine optimization. They said, read this, go online for about a month or two and you can start doing that for our company. And since that time, I've been in the digital marketing field. I've held three directory roles on the agency side, worked on over 600 campaigns at this point, uh, Fortune 500 clients, started a agency in 2012, and have kind of been growing, networking, and working in the field ever since. Obviously, it's an ever-changing field. And then two and a half years ago, I started my podcast, And kind of in my personal life, I became a foster parent in June 2018, where my wife and I have fostered 20 kids and currently four under the age of six in this whole stay-at-home quarantine scenario, which is interesting. All right. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. It sounds like it's been a journey for sure. So we'll we'll definitely uh, dive a little bit more into into your story. So yeah, so I always like to start out from the beginning. So you said that, you know, you're an immigrant, right? So not from the US. So can you give the audience some context into, you know, where you grew up and also what kind of kids you were? Yeah, so I mean, I came to the US in 1990 when I was five. So four and a half years were in Ukraine and then it was still under the Soviet Union. So to get to the US, you had to go through Vienna, Austria and Rome, Italy, which I spent a few weeks to a few months in each of those places. And then basically when I came here, I've been in New Jersey the duration of that time, just different towns around the state. Uh, I first got here, I went into kindergarten where I had to go to English second language, learn the language. 
and my grandparents are already retired in Ukraine. They had to start working here. One of those kind of, you know, you have to grind and uh, we were in a two bedroom apartment to kind of get our feet under us because we basically came here with nothing. It was still under the Soviet Union. Ukraine got its independence in 92. So basically you had to kind of just come with the clothes on your back and kind of denounce that citizenship and uh, basically start over from scratch. Okay. And so you, you, you had said, so, so tell me about the family that was with you. So it was yourself, was it your, your parents and your grandparents? Yep, so it was my younger brother, my mother and my father, my grandmother and grandfather on my mom's side, and my aunt. Okay. Yeah, so and that's a that's a you know decent sized family for for a two bedroom and you know having to live into those circumstances. So when when you were younger, when you were in your elementary days, because you you came right right as a kindergartner. Um, so how were you back then? Were you involved in, in sports? Was you know academics more of your thing? I'd love to get some more context on how you were as a kid. Yeah, so I had to. First and second grade, I had to be in English second language to learn the language and then kind of test out of that. And uh, we, I mean, we didn't have money to begin with. So my parents did not really have insurance. So I couldn't really play sports. So until I got to uh, high school, that's when I started uh, playing, you know, soccer, baseball, basketball, football, pretty much everything. And other than that, I was a pretty good student. I mean, A's and B's. Um, but I mean, I think there was more, I think the traditional kind of education system doesn't do justice to people that have kind of an entrepreneurial mindset or kind of want to find out and test things on their own. But, you know, I'm fairly athletic and have been and have been a decent student, but I think there was a mind shift after college in terms of, you know, there's all this wealth of information and you can pretty much go any route you want to go. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. So when you were in high school, did you have a, a very clear direction that you absolutely wanted to go to college? Or was that something that, you know, your parents had, had said, hey, this is definitely something you want to do to help separate you from the rest of the pack? Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where I would be kind of the first one in my family to go to college or university in the United States. So it wasn't necessarily pressure, but I mean, with my grades and you know test scores, I knew I could get into college. And I think the focus there was, you know, seeing kind of that corporate ladder kind of mindset where you go to college, you get a degree, you get a job and you kind of rise the ranks and stay in that situation. But when I got into that situation, I saw I didn't want to sit there in a cubicle my whole life and then leave with you know, a gold watch after 30 years. No, that, that definitely makes a whole lot of sense, right? Uh, so that's cool. So, you know, when you were in school, I know you went the, the criminal justice route. So uh, where did that stem from? You know, where did your, um, you know, where did you get that passion to want to go into that field? Uh, I mean, I guess freshman year, I was pre-business. I was going to go the business route, but then it didn't necessarily interest me. And then I kind of saw other people at other agencies. So agencies like the FBI and more on the federal side, that there were several roles that were very interesting, like forensics and different other things, instead of, you know, just being 
a local police officer or that kind of thing. So I think it shifted to that. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I think that major wasn't that hard for me. So it was one of those things where, you know, it was easy for me to do. And uh, first semester, it was kind of a culture shock. So I didn't necessarily apply myself to the level I should have and just, you know, didn't focus on the academics and failed one class and then had to rebound the rest of the three and a half years to get back to like a three, five, three, six GPA. And uh, it's one of those things that kids don't think about because they're not as babied as in high school. They're not forced to do work. The professors aren't there to make them do anything. And I think I had to, uh, I guess, learn it the hard way. Okay. Yeah. And I think that happens to a lot of students, right? They don't, you know, put in as much effort as, as they can. Um, and they're not thinking about some of the repercussions that can happen if they don't put all that effort in on the front end. Um, so, so you, 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 you know, get a sense for this of what criminal justice is like and, and what some of these agencies are doing. So can you share with the audience, just give them a little bit of context of what that process was like, you know, because, you know, getting your clearance, I know that there's uh, different assessments that, that you have to take, whether they're, you know, psychological or intelligence assessments and things like that. So for what you can share, because there might be some things that they tell you not to share, I'm sure. But for what you can share, I would love to get some audience, uh, some context for the audience. Yeah, I mean, it took six months. Uh, it was a top secret level federal clearance. Basically, kind of, I was aware of different movings of dignitaries, the president, and other people within that kind of field region. So it was like, a, I guess, a command center. So you're privy to that information. So obviously, if somebody is malicious and leaks it, it can lead to harm or any other kind of like, you know, malice in terms of behavior. But um, they went through my schooling, my criminal record. I had to have recommendations of people that knew me for at least like five or 10 years. So like clergy, former professors, former teachers, in terms of kind of like my core values, they went and kind of interviewed my friends, my family, um, some of the closest friends that I've had for at that time over 10 years at least, asking them if I was any kind of in any foreign groups, uh, paramilitary organizations or anything of that nature. And then there's, you know, tons and tons of forms. And then there was a specific investigator who was a retired Secret Service agent that went out in the field and gathered all this information. And after six months, they granted that to me. And then basically I was an intern on the counterfeit currency squad. I mean, I did other things like go down to the range and kind of shoot all the weapons they use, went on a protective duty. It was the last um, few months of uh, Bush's presidency. So I went on a protective duty to kind of observe for one of his daughters. And I mean, it was fairly interesting, but I think in that role also I saw that it's something that I didn't necessarily want to do because as an agent, you have to switch post every few years. So if you want something more stable or build a family, you know, your wife or partner may not want to move around the country every, you know, two, three years. And then eventually you have to do the kind of Washington DC posts one, once in your career, that protective kind of uh, duty. And if you have a, director of your office that doesn't like you, they can reassign you to like Fargo or Anchorage, Alaska, where there's like one other agent in the office and you have to basically sit there for the next two, three years before you get reassigned. 
Yeah, and, it, and it's interesting that you bring that up because, I mean, you see a lot of that in the movies, right? You see someone gets in some type of quarrel with somebody and all of a sudden they're in Beirut, you know, or they're, you know, they get transferred to some duty station that they never thought that they would actually actually be in. So it's very interesting to find out that those are things that, you know, that really can happen. Um, so what would you say are some, some key takeaways, you know, going through through those experiences that have kind of helped you out in your entrepreneurial journey. You know, whether that's, you know, being able to read people really well because you have to focus on a lot of details. Can you share with the audience just some some takeaways that you had through that experience that, that still helps you today? Yeah, like you said, I think being able to read people and kind of understanding the basis of how people think um, actually benefits you a lot in terms of digital marketing. So understanding how you can connect, how you can make your message be remembered more, that kind of thing. And I think more, more of that kind of discipline and just taking things from different fields, like that internship, other roles that I've done, you know, throughout college and high school in terms of all those jobs that people don't necessarily think about some of those kind of summer jobs or things that you start with, they all kind of leave a piece away you know for you i mean in terms of kind of that internship i guess discipline being able to read people um, things aren't always what they seem to be in that sense and i think it was a building block in terms of kind of overall growth and how i i mean i stumbled into digital marketing but i got into it out of necessity and basically ran with it ever since and i think it's kind of also a testament of hard work and you kind of uh, guiding your own destiny and you know nobody's forcing you to learn anything or pivoting but perfect environment now people are uncertain some people are laid off some people are fired um, it's it's a great time to learn other things and figure out if there's something that's more of a passion that you can really pivot and move on from this and take something out of it in a positive sense yeah and, and you know you brought up a fair point it's been really interesting uh, seeing people's kind of hidden talents come out right like you're seeing people on social media singing and you never like i've known you for 10 years i didn't know you sang at all or you know impressions or creating video content like it's like wow like where did you come from right but people have more time now like i remember eight weeks ago i used to have to sit into two hours of traffic to get to my office every day and then another hour and a half or two hours to get home so if you put those that time together now we've got more time than ever like you said to focus on your craft or a new skill set or to learn something that could actually add value to to your business or what you do yeah and uh, in terms of a digital marketing sense uh, trying things i mean it's important to try new platforms and new strategies but trying things in different roles and different professions as well you know i didn't think i would be on the TikTok platform but um i put a lot of kind of kind of informational content now about being a foster parent struggles in that dealing with the system holes in the system and I mean, I'm not saying I went viral or anything, but one of my videos at this point has 70,000 views. And in terms of uh, all of my social media platforms, that has to be kind of the, the highest organic, you know, viewing that I've gotten. And actually out of one of those videos, I got contacted about 
a opportunity to do a piece about kind of the struggles of foster parents during COVID-19 in a New York City publication. So if I never tested or put out content and truly content that actually helps other people, other people dealing with the same situation, I would have probably never got that media opportunity. Yeah, no, and that's awesome. And, and, and these are things that, that I'm hearing all over the place, right? TikTok, LinkedIn. I mean, I'm seeing it all over where, you know, because here's, here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, you may be putting out content that no one engages with or no, like no one reacts to it. They don't comment, but people are watching. Like people are watching more than more than people realize because I get people that message me all they're like, Hey, I've been following you for six months. I'm like, really? Because I've never, I've never seen you react. I've never seen a comment, but you've been following and they're like, yeah, I like your stuff. So I wanted to reach out and connect. And it's like, holy crap. Like there are people out there that don't actually engage, but they're still paying attention. Yeah, I think, and that's some people quit too early or get discouraged. But I think, like you said, there's more people watching than engaging. I've had somebody on LinkedIn, uh, that acquaintance from high school, like, I really been following you for like the last six years. I was like, uh, okay, but never comment, never like, never anything, never, you know, direct message or any kind of email. And then said, you know, I want to pick your brain about, you know, I want to start a consultancy. Can you give me some tips? Some of the things you've been through in the last decade. And there's stories like that or people just out of nowhere, words of encouragement. You know, I really see what you're doing. You're really putting value out there. Just keep keep going. And people that you wouldn't think are watching are really, you know, watching and, and getting something out of your content. Because at the end of the day, you can have a content strategy where you're just putting content every day out just to have content, like a motivational quote with nothing behind it, but not leaving anything for, you know, the person that's actually seeing it. That's it. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, it's important that, you know, from a content perspective that people understand, you know, you gotta have a, you gotta have a purpose. Like you said, you gotta have a call to action, right? Something that, evokes conversation from people because to me that's where the magic happens it's actually not the posts themselves but the actual contextual conversations that people are getting into right and when conversations are happening inside conversations on your piece of content that means you know it was uh, effective in my opinion yeah i mean and that's what i think social is designed for kind of having that conversation and oftentimes brand you know negate that just to put content out but it's really there for interaction engagement you know getting feedback about your product or service how you can improve it how you can service your community better and as a research tool as well but i mean it's so simple but a lot of people don't necessarily do it that's it. All right. And so let's, let's uh, fast forward a little bit. So you, you get through this uh, apprenticeship, things aren't going so great in, in this space. Uh, 2008, right? We know there's a big recession that happened. So you, you stumble upon this opportunity uh, that essentially is a thick workbook that's teaching you SEO, right? So this is kind of your introduction into the digital marketing space. So um, share a little bit about, you know, what that experience was like, because who knows? I mean, you could have easily picked up this big guide and was like throwing this thing down the street and said, forget about this, but you took action, right? And that's, and that's, it says a lot about your character, right? Cause, cause again, a lot of people have these manuals, these proverbial manuals in their hands and they do nothing with them. So what inspired you to take action? 
And then how did that journey kind of, um, you know, permeate from there? Yeah, that, I mean, that's half the battle, just, you know, getting into something new. I mean, I did it out of necessity. At that point, I've applied to hundreds of roles in law enforcement, you know, other things like, you know, a manager of like Hertz or other rental, anything that made sense or had a minimum requirement of a bachelor's degree. And it was just like going into interviews, dead end, dead end, dead end, or no callbacks or nothing like that. And I mean, it was leading into a situation of kind of depression. So when I got that opportunity, it was like, I have nothing to lose. Let me learn it. I mean, and let me, you know, have some kind of knowledge set as value. Um, and, you know, I ran with it. I mean, like you said, I didn't have to. I could have quit at any point, but even the beginning of that. So funny stories. <laughs> the person I, I worked for for a few months, they were supposed to pay me, but their cat ended up getting cancer and they had to drop 20K on the cat. So at the end of the day, they were kind of like, sorry. Um, we can't pay you. So you, know, you can put your resume out there and see what happens. That's what I did and got picked up as a contract uh, employee with a company called LexisNexis. And then at that time, the offer was $16 an hour. Now with nothing, having nothing prior, that doesn't seem like bad, but I mean, I had to put my ego to the side and, you know, I have a bachelor's degree and I thought coming out in my early twenties, that bachelor's degree, I'm going to make all this money, this and that. And that wasn't the case. So I think putting that ego to the side at that point as well, and then getting my foot in the door because I had a lot of accounts and campaigns that I could test and try things on. And it really kind of started developing my expertise and not only reading about something because it's awesome to kind of, you know, be a generalist, but really jumping into trenches and really being able to help clients and having that kind of, you know, uh, expert knowledge set. Yeah. And, you know, listen, I would, I would look at that situation. I'm sure you did too, is like, I'm getting paid to learn. Like I'm getting paid to actually be a practitioner, right? Not a, not a generalist. Like I've got great information about this, but I'm actually running this. I'm actually doing this with clients. Right. Cause, cause to me, that's like, that's where you learn it is by yeah, that repetition. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's real life. Yeah. And there I, I worked myself up to, kind of a elite portfolio. So I managed uh, seven figures in uh, SEO and other spend social media and other kind of offerings as a package and was working with uh, clients that were 100K or higher uh, at that point. So I kind of built a reputation of results and success. And, you know, I didn't even have to go that route. I could just been stagnant. I mean, there, there were other people at that company that were fine, you know, on an analyst level or, you know, a level that they started and they just wanted to do that. But I mean, I have kind of the mindset where I continuously want to start or keep learning. And I, I, it's a disservice to me and the people that brought me to this country to not kind of live up to that potential. Yeah, no, I definitely, and I love that mindset, right? You have a growth mindset. You want to continuously be better than you were the day before, right? And when you put it, when you look through that lens, I'm sure for you, it was an easy shift into kind of starting your own thing. So I'd love to hear about, you know, what pivotal moment was there for you when you kind of like, I don't know if you woke up one day and you're like, man, like I could be making a lot more money if I just did this on my own. So when did that shift happen from working from other people to shifting into entrepreneurship? Yep. So at the role I was, uh, I just uh, talked about where I started at $16 an hour and kind of worked my way up. 
there were it was a big uh, digital marketing department uh, within a company called LexisNexis, and there were a lot of people that were transitioning to other agencies, going out freelance, building their own things as well. And then I thought to myself, like you know, why not me? I'm no less, you know, talented than these people. And I kind of did it simultaneously, still being there, and then starting building the website, getting the LLC, starting kind of networking and getting referrals getting you know, other kind of contracts through people that I've worked with in the past and at that role as well. So it was one of those things where it was a continuous building block. And I think it's important. Uh, some people say, you know, I quit everything and it was kind of bird in the boats mentality and you know, against the wall is the best place that I perform or I had to build a company. Well, I think, you know, in terms of success, everybody has their own road. There's people that have that side hustle that eventually becomes their you know main focus or main company sometimes they manage multiple companies sometimes they have you know a great situation at another role but they have a company that they kind of manage it runs themselves so i think it's all to the the specific person and their journey and what makes sense in their life as well yeah no i, I think i think you're spot on there right because you know most there's a plenty of organizations that started as, as a side hustle, right? It was something that you loved. And then you just realized like, man, I'm super passionate about this and I need to go all in. Right. But again, and there are some people that just quit cold Turkey and then all of a sudden they're now they're having this organ, you know? So again, I, I think you're a hundred percent right there that everybody's journey looks different. You've got to do what's best for you and your situation. That's, uh, you know, going to make sure you still have food on the table. You know, all of those things are important. So I agree. So let me ask you this. So what do you think have been maybe the top three um, things that you've done since launching your own business that have really helped you have a sustainable business, right? Because let's face it, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that, that say they have a business or say they're entrepreneurs in 2020, but um, they may not actually have any clients or, you know, they may be just kind of fronting as entrepreneurs because it looks cool to have that title today. So what, what are some things that you think that you have done um, since you've started that have helped you be, have a sustainable company? I think maintaining relationships from past roles. So I always say, if you're leaving something, try to leave on good terms, unless it's some kind of like something happened that's like unexcusable. So kind of don't burn your bridges because those have transpired into different projects and different referrals, that kind of thing. And I think if you're the best at something and nobody knows about it, you can truly excel or service the, you know, the community that you're trying to reach. So I would encourage you're introvert or extrovert, make it a habit to network. Right now it's perfect for introverts and extroverts because you can do it via Zoom. I mean, all of the meetup groups, all the different organizations that I've been in or am in have moved over all their meetings to this format. So from the comfort of your home, you can be making business deals, you know, friendships, anything of that nature that may lead to, you know, a client or a business relationship without even leaving your home. So I think you don't necessarily have any excuses at this point. You know, that event can't be that far. I, I live about 50 minutes from Manhattan, 45 from Philadelphia. Oftentimes that's dissuading me from attending an event. You know, I'm tired. I don't want to get on the train for an hour and a half and then the train ride back. But now there's kind of nothing holding you back in that sense. 
And then, like I said, be visible and have some kind of content strategy that adds value. Um, a lot of people kind of uh, pay, pay fence their content where it's everything, you know, all of my knowledge, you have to get into this program or this course. But I would encourage people to, you know, give back or give away a lot of their things, maybe not the secret formula, quote unquote, but add as much value, you know, be active in groups, different communities online, and really answer questions that aren't, you know, general answers. Give something specific where it actually alleviates a need. And that can go a long way because that, those people are going to remember that you did that for them. And they may not need your service, but they may refer somebody and say, hey, this person didn't really need to do this, but they reached out and really, you know, pointed me in the right direction. I mean, I always have, you know, consultations or strategy calls sometimes with businesses that aren't a good fit, you know, smaller people starting out, but I don't like seeing people get screwed over. So sometimes they'll say, you know, I've been pitched this by this company and I look at the contract or proposed campaign and it's just like atrocious in terms of taking advantage of not delivering anything of value or just taking the person's money. So kind of steering people in the right direction and being genuine can go a long way. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. And when you do that, even though that may not be a client for you, right? It may not be a good fit for you. They may refer somebody that is a good fit, right? And then, you know, so you're, you're really building the, these referrals just because you're adding value to other people. And that value could be just to, like you said, steer them in, in the right direction. Uh, and to me, I mean, that's, that's how you build relationship equity, right? Like when you create that valuable content that's predicated on truly teaching and educating versus how do I shove my product or service down your throat, right? Um, there, there's a big difference and people can sniff it out real quick as well. Yeah, I mean, even on LinkedIn, I'm sure you get like the million emails about, you know, we have 50 qualified leads. Apparently everybody has 15 to 100 new leads. I mean, I don't know where they're coming from, but even that or somebody have a one-liner that's kind of friendly as soon as you hit connect and it's this pitch. And that's, I mean, ID, you know, defriend or take them off as a connection because I mean, you're not trying to make a relationship either personal or business that's based on value. You just, it's just a one-way relationship where you won't want my business and don't necessarily even want to have a conversation about it. Yeah. And so listen, if, for those of you that are listening to this episode, you have to establish that for yourself. Are you only about transactions or are you about building relationships? And I know in Roman, I'm sure you know, like I want sustainable relationships because I don't want one client to just disappear. Like, no, I want that client to stay on or to refer, right? And to tell other people about the work that I do. Yeah, I mean, and if you treat it that way as well, it's more personal. So it's not only a paycheck, you're a direct reflection of that business and you're part of that business's or, you know, that client's success. So their success is your success and your extension of their company. And at that point, it's kind of like your family and that relationship lasts. I mean, I've had, I've had interviews with other people and I've interviewed people where it's the same thing. They've added value and delivered value and have been there for their clients, both professionally and sometimes even personally through things that the client have, has dealt with. And that relationship has kind of matured into, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years together because they don't want to leave. They're getting the best in terms of value. And there's that personal connection developed where it's more like your family. 
Yeah, and and that's uh, there couldn't be a more prevalent time than now with a global pandemic that you're taking care of your customers because you know they're going to remember this. They're going to remember how you were to them when when times were tough. Yeah, and I mean, my mindset. I mean, I can always make money. I mean, I'm not dumb. I mean, I'm uh, and I hustle. So even back in the day, you know, ten years old, selling candy, baseball cards. My mom buying stuff at like BJ's or Costco and then going and flipping it, even though I think I've gotten detention for that once in a while. But um, I mean, there's always ways, ways to make money, especially when you've developed an expertise and people can come to you and you have a, a body of work that's results driven. Absolutely. Well, hey, man, this has been great learning about your journey. And I would love to give you the opportunity to just, you know, tell the audience, you know, where they can find you. Um, you know, whether that's social or your website, and then also share some insights on, on your show, because I definitely want to give people the opportunity to listen to your show as well. Yep. So Roman Prokopchuk, um, there are other Roman Prokopchuks in the world, but um, I think I dominate that uh, page one. But um, uh, if you search for my name on, I'm on uh, every social platform, LinkedIn is a good one. I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. You know, feel free to message me. The company is Novazor Digital, so that's novazordigital.com. And my podcast is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, where I've done, at this point, I, 150 interviews in the last year. I switched over to an interview format last, last March. And um, it's basically finding or learning about people's journeys, how they got to where they are now, what makes them tick, things they've overcame. Uh, what motivates them, weaknesses they turn into strengths, and some advice they can give for the audience. But, you know, it's a low-key kind of conversation. And wherever those insights go, you know, that direction uh, the conversation goes. I kind of have been blessed in the last few months for it to get to the top 100 in its category in uh, Apple Podcasts. I mean, it is a vanity metric, but it does a good job to attract different guests and, you know, add leverage in that sense as well. No, that's awesome. And, and congrats on all the success. I'm definitely going to make sure that uh, all the ways to contact you will be down in the show notes. So again, Roman, I appreciate you coming on the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast. It's been great hanging out and I look forward to coming on your show soon. Yeah, sounds good. And thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Roman. Make sure to connect with him. His info will be down in the show notes. And I'm super pumped to uh, release probably in the next two weeks the first few episodes of season three. Man, I've got some incredible guests uh, with incredible stories and journeys. Uh, and I can't wait for you to hear these stories. So thank you so much for all the support. If you have not subscribed yet, please, please, please subscribe and, and tell your friends about us. Our goal is to uh, impact as many people as we can through people's journeys. Uh, and if you haven't given us that five-star rating and written a, a review, please do that as well if you do enjoy the show, if it's added any value to your life. As always, have an amazing day and we can't wait to chat with you uh, for the first few episodes of season three coming here soon.